doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking to Nick, who not only has a mysterious non-traumatic spinal cord injury, but also the autoimmune disease Sjogren's Syndrome. A non-traumatic spinal cord injury is a very misleading name. It sounds like, you know, a not very serious spinal cord injury, but that's not at all what it means. It means that there has been some sort of spinal cord injury without trauma, without physical trauma. And in the case of Nick's situation, he doesn't even really know what caused his spinal cord injury. It might have been some sort of uh, viral issue or autoimmune issue. He's actually still trying to figure that out. But the result of this injury is numbness and weakness in Nick's legs, which requires him to use a wheelchair. During the medical workup to try to figure out why these issues were happening with Nick's legs, it was discovered that he actually has an unrelated autoimmune disease called Sjogren's Syndrome. With Sjogren's Syndrome, the immune system attacks the salivary and tear glands, so it causes dry eyes and dry mouth when your immune system attacks its own healthy cells in the areas that produce uh, saliva and tears. And as you can imagine, Nick was shocked to find out that not only did he have this mysterious issue with his legs, but he has an autoimmune disorder that doesn't cause any issues with your legs. Nick's story is pretty incredible, and I had a lot of trouble wrapping my mind around this as we were talking, you know, this concept that he was living a healthy life, and then all of a sudden he had a spinal cord injury without being physically injured. And on top of that, to have this, you know, unrelated autoimmune disorder, it's just pretty overwhelming for someone to live through. But what I love so much about this conversation is Nick's attitude and the way that he's adjusted his attitude to deal with his present situation. When his health issues first started, he'll tell us about how hard that was emotionally. But the thing that really pulled him through is his family, his connection to his wife and his kids, and just wanting to be present and be a part of their life, no matter what form that takes. If it's in a wheelchair, if that's the best way that he can do it, then he's going to do it. And it's a really wonderful message, uh, an incredible story, and just a really fun conversation. So once again, I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Nick did a really fantastic job. And his story is really fascinating and surprising and unlike anything we've talked about before on the show. And I was also excited to talk about Disability Fails, which is the organization that Nick has started to try to raise awareness about the ways in which uh, the world is failing the disabled community. Uh, so he started a Facebook group and he's uh, working on expanding this to other platforms. And it's a really fun, exciting thing. I've actually joined the Facebook group since talking to him. And it's, you know, it's a lot of people in the dis disabled community sharing stories about what they're experiencing out in the world. And, you know, as someone who uses a wheelchair, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I've talked about this a lot on the show, but over the past year, I've been using a wheelchair for my own mobility issues and the ways in which I interact with the world in a wheelchair continue to surprise me. And that's something we also talk about on this episode today. So, so much good stuff in this episode and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. We have two new listeners who have signed up to support this show on Patreon. It was a very exciting week for me to get these two new Patreon subscriptions. It goes so far to helping to support this podcast, and I appreciate it so much. So the first is actually Kelsey, who we spoke to on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And I was really honored by this because not only did Kelsey, you know, 
uh, donate her time to share her story and just be so open and wonderful about, you know, coming on the show and talking us through her, her history with fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis. But now she signed up to support the show through Patreon, and I'm so excited she signed up at the patron tier. Uh, Kelsey, thank you so, so much. I have added your name to the end credits of the show, so anyone listening to the end of the show will hear your name each week. Special thank you. And I have a gift for you, um, a coaster made by my mom that I have to mail for you. And the second person is our newest Patreon producer. And I'm just astonished that we already have four people signed up at the highest tier, the producer tier on Patreon. Uh, so I'm just really overwhelmed. I, I, I just appreciate it so much. Our newest Patreon producer is Trish O'Brien. Trish, Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is massive support. I, I can't even believe it. I appreciate it so much. Um, so each week I thank the Patreon producers um, in person by name at the front of the show. So uh, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Anson Q, and now Trish O'Brien. Thank you all so much for helping to make the Major Pain Podcast possible. Trish, I have two gifts for you. I have a coaster and a tote bag with the Major Pain logo made by my mom to mail to you. So Trish and Kelsey, I sent you both messages thanking you for signing up on uh, Patreon itself and asking for your address so I can mail you your gifts. If I haven't heard from you in a couple days, I will send you a, a regular email instead of sending it through the Patreon because sometimes I worry that people don't see all the messages that come through Patreon itself. Uh, which reminds me that today I just released our new bonus episode for all of our Patreon community. Everyone at every tier starting at $2 per month has access to this new bonus episode and it was so fun. Andy and I sat down last night to chat and it was a wild conversation. <laughs> we were having a really bizarre night and we were very high energy and goofy and it was so much fun. Um, I actually talked a little bit about my health update on the bonus episode. I don't have anything concrete to share. Um, I, I shared a little bit more than I have on the main podcast feed because until I have something concrete, I'm not super comfortable, you know, blasting it out for the entire internet. But for the people who are signed up to support the show, I have a few extra details that I've not yet shared on the show. Don't worry, once I have something concrete to share, I will absolutely share it on the main podcast feed. But we talked about that a little bit. We talked about what we did for the holidays. We talked about a bunch of the TV and movie that movies that we're watching right now, because there's so much exciting TV and movies to watch right now. <laughs> and you know, I'm a huge nerd. So I was really excited to talk about that. So to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, just head over to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast and you'll be able to see the newest bonus episode for January. And if you'd like to sign up to support the show, there are three tiers of support, $2, $7, and $25 per month. There are different rewards and gifts at each tier, and you can find all of the information at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. You can also check the description of this podcast on whatever platform you listen to our show. I always put links to the Patreon down there as well as the website and our social media, TikTok and Instagram. And this week, I actually put a link directly to our bonus episode if you want to click directly over there and start listening. And I did also put a link to the Disability Fails Facebook group if you want to find a quick and easy way to click over to that. As always, I'll remind you that I am not a medical professional, and Nick this week actually is a retired EMT, so he does have some experience in the medical field, but even so, this podcast is not intended as medical advice, and do not take any medical action based off of what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll get into our fantastic discussion with Nick about his non-traumatic spinal cord injury and Sjogren's Syndrome. 
Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you've got a very unique story that I'm really excited to hear today. I know a little bit about it, and it's really piqued my curiosity, so I'm excited to talk to you. Me too. I'm very excited to share with you guys. Awesome. So, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so uh, I'm Nick. Um, I just turned 31 on the 4th of this month, and um, I used to be a licensed EMT. I used to love helping people. Um, so when I became disabled, that was something that still was something that I had a desire to do, which is part of the reason that I had started Disability Fails, which we can get to here in just a few. Yeah. Um, and I'm just kind of out here trying my best to make the most out of life as it is today. Awesome. Yeah. I know you wanted to share your organization with us and I'm excited to learn about that. Tell us about Disability Fails. So, yes, I have an autoimmune disease and I have a non-traumatic spinal cord injury. And this all happened to me September 29th of last year. And when it happened to me, for the longest time, I was in a bed. I struggled a lot with my mobility. There was so many things that I could not do myself. It was like almost overnight, I lost my independence. I lost my ability just to get up, go to the bathroom on my own, um, and so, you know, after a little bit of time of just pretty much being confined to four walls in a room and, you know, my whole life changing and learning how to just manage my disability from there, um, I finally wanted to, you know, I would have some days where I'm like, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better about my wheelchair skills. You know, I want to get out of the house. And when I finally did, there was so many times where I found moments where going out in public was not as easy as I had hoped. It was really, really just kind of a big letdown at times um, when it came to like trying to find parking that was accessible. Um, and then places that, you know, would advertise that they are wheelchair friendly or, you know, accessible. And I'm like, there's no way I can, you know, get in here. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to, you know, enjoy life, get out and try to start, you know, living as life is now when this world is no longer made for me. Mm. And it really kind of got me thinking, cause I'm like, I'm not the only one that this happens to. I'm not the only one that's in a wheelchair. There's so many other people. And I'm like, how do they do it? And um, so I kind of started disability fails based on that, where I started just kind of documenting where accessibility is failing us. What is going on? What makes going out in public what makes doing just ordinary tasks, going to the grocery store, or even using a public bathroom sometimes, what makes that difficult? And then I'm like, what can we do to possibly improve those situations so that, you know, futuristically, one day, somebody that, you know, is either disabled or becomes disabled, or even a child that grows up and finally gets some independence, they're like, I'm going to go to the mall with my friends. How can, you know, what can I do to maybe make a change to make that experience for them different than what mine was? Awesome. So I just kind of started documenting and encouraging others, you know, in the disability community, what, what would make things easier? Like share what makes things really accessible for you? What is just amazing? You know, what absolutely doesn't work? And like, just to give an example, um, I can't tell you how many accessible stalls that I have tried to get into, the door opens inward. 
So I can get into it. Absolutely. But I cannot shut the door because my wheelchair blocks it from shutting. (laughs) So I either have to, you know, use the restroom with no privacy or be like, "Uh, I think I'm going to wait a little bit, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's so frustrating. I I think about this a lot because I I'm an ambulatory wheelchair user. So I uh, I can walk short distances, but not long distances. So if I'm going to leave the house, I bring the wheelchair. But if I'm at home, I'll generally try to do everything that I can on my feet um, just to keep my legs going as much as I can. And uh, so like when I go to the bathroom, I generally like in public, I generally park my wheelchair and then stand up and pee. I got a lot of weird looks, (laughs) but I... I can just see that like, wow, I'm not going to be able to get into that stall. So I'm just going to do this the way that is easiest for me. Um, and I just think about for any, any wheelchair users who don't have that option, the world is so much more difficult to manage. Like I just had a situation last week where I was going to visit my family and I was taking the, the light rail to the train and uh, the light rails like our subway here in Seattle. And uh I, I got off at the light rail station and all the elevators on the platform were out and I'm in my wheelchair and all of a sudden I can't get anywhere, you know, like all the elevators are out and I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to miss my train to go see my family because I couldn't get off of this platform. Um, so uh, a couple of people that worked there came to help me and they carried my chair. One carried my stuff and one helped to kind of carry me as I walked up the stairs And I'm just thinking, like, if I didn't have this ability to walk short distances, there's so many places where I would be stuck. And I I just like teetering on in in both of these worlds and seeing how like all of these holes exist. So it's really admirable for someone like you to, you know, try to fill in those holes for the next person who comes after you to make life a little bit easier for for the people that need it. Right. And I, I think a lot of that way, too, because, you know, getting out, I'm, I consider myself to be very stubborn. So (laughs) when there was a challenge, I'm like, okay, I've got to figure this out. So, you know, it took me a little bit. I had a lot of falls, had a lot of, you know, flip my chair back so many times, but lots of scratches, dings and dents into it. (laughs) Um, but I learned how to jump up curbs, down curbs, um, and just negotiate things in ways that, you know, not everybody has that ability to do. And I'm like, you know, it would be so disheartening for me if I didn't learn these things, Mm. you know, um, if I didn't master some of like my willy skill or, you know, things like that. And I know there are so many people out there that don't have that ability. And I'm like, you know, like there was a parking spot. I've got a picture on disability fails that, you know, it's got the handicapped parking, it's got the nice gridded space. And then there is a curb and there is absolutely no like drop curb there's no Mm. ramp anywhere and i'm just like i can do this because you know i've got this skill mastered but someone that uses an electric wheelchair or you know there's there's just no access for them at all you know and with it being parking like where kind of where it was it's right by a road the only option would have been to go into the road and go up a ways and i'm like that's Mm -hmm. just so unsafe you know parking lots are so unsafe, you know, for wheelchair users in general, but to have to actually go into a busy street just to gain access to the sidewalk, you know, it's like, we've got to learn how to do better. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the more that I can share these things, the more these things get shared, you know, the more people that come together and are like, yeah, look, this is at my town, this isn't working, or, you know, here, here's this, I've got this issue. And we can kind of bring, you know, shed light on that, 
you know, I'm hoping that through that, just kind of raising awareness of what our actual issues with accessibility are, will help kind of promote the change that's needed to start eliminating them. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I experienced this where I didn't think about these things until I had to. And then I realized like, wow, this is not a great situation. <laughs> it's like, now that I'm in this situation, this is not ideal. Um, so, it, and it is like, that's part of doing this podcast for me is, you know, raising awareness about chronic illness and about what it's like to, to live with all of these different things, because, you know, the system is not set up for people who are chronically ill, um, like the medical system in general. So, just like having some awareness and some expectation about what it's like for us, I think can be really illuminating for other people. So, so what do people do if they want to get involved in your organization? So currently I've got a Facebook group online um, and we're just currently trying to get as many members active and involved in it as possible. Cause I kind of feel the more people that can get involved in this and share stories, share their struggles, you know, and I, not only do I like to, you know, shed light on the things that aren't working, why they're not working, but if there is something that you're like, Hey, I was here this was absolutely amazing. It made things so much easier. I want to shed light on that too, to be mm. like more places. Hey, let's do this. Let's get together. Let's make this happen. You know, if we're going to do something, I feel let's do it right. And there was this thing that I had read at one point in time that said, you know, when we make things accessible for people with dis with disabilities, it makes it accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. What works for us pretty works for everybody else too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so important. It's, there's this huge like negativity bias on the internet and to take some time to point out the things that are good is really, really valuable. Like that trip I just took when I, I that was my first time taking a train uh, using a wheelchair and Amtrak was very accommodating. They did a great job. And I, I was so excited how easy it was to, you know, to get on and off the train and they have a discount because I brought my wheelchair and um, they they have options. You can either sit in your chair or you can get a seat next to an open space for your chair to be so you can transfer into a seat if you want to. Um, and I, I was really, I really appreciated it. You know, it really made traveling to see my family easier than it had been in the past. So, um, yeah, so it's really important to share those things. And, you know, if you if you're in a wheelchair and you're traveling on Amtrak, you just have to call and speak to an agent in person to set up your trip. Um, so, you know, I, it took me a while to figure all this stuff out, but it worked out really well. And yeah, it's important to share the, the stuff that's good as well. Um, so if people can search you out on Facebook, I'm assuming just search for Disability Fails and they'll find you? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And this is like Disability Fails as in like the failure of society to accommodate for disability. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. It's a very catchy name. And, and sometimes we like, I like to bring humor things too, just because, you know, Sometimes you got to laugh. Like there are so many moments where I've just, you know, like I've flipped my chair in public and, you know, for the first, like when I was first thinking, I'd like to get out, I'd like to do something. I would stop myself a lot of times because I'd be like, oh my gosh, what if this happened? Or what if this happened? And all these scenarios would play and it would make me almost afraid. Mm. And that's why when I did get out and I'm like, oh my, you know, these scenarios can almost be true, you know? It is kind of embarrassing sometimes. Um, there are things that happen. And, you know, <laughs> being in a wheelchair, it's like you you go in anywhere and a lot of eyes are on you. <laughs> so there's a lot. It's like, oh, I hope I don't do something. Like just the other day, my wheelchair actually um, kind of stole a woman. 
Um, <laughs> she went to walk. <laughs> she went to walk behind me and kind of bumped into my my chair, and her sweater got wrapped around my push cane. So as she goes to walk away, she was like stuck on my chair, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know. And she's in this. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh no, you're fine, you know. And she's trying to pull her sweater loose, and I'm trying to get her loose, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry too, you know. And she's like, oh no. And it's just those moments where it's like, oh, that was kind of awkward, you know, um, being able to share those moments, you know, yeah. and just find find things that, you know, like they, wheelchairs don't really come with these warning signs that, you know, <laughs> beware, you might, you might kidnap somebody accidentally <laughs> or, you know, um, another, another girl from the group actually posted that she was going along and someone's scarf got tangled up in her wheel. And she's like, by the time I realized that the scarf was really wrapped around it, really stuck in there and i she's like i'm not even sure how long i'd been dragging her along for she was just oh coming along for the ride and i'm like oh my gosh you know so we wow. just we experience things you know and sometimes they're funny sometimes you know but just being able to shed light on all these different aspects that come along with you know um so yeah absolutely i that's i hadn't heard that one before about people getting stuck to your chair that has not happened to me but, that was a first for me. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you're 100% right that I, when you go into a public space in a wheelchair, all eyes are on you. And that, so that was something that really took me aback. And I, because, you know, I, I started using a chair um, at the beginning of this year. And I had been, you know, very stuck at home for like five years, you know, like I could use a cane to get around a little bit. Walking my dog was the furthest that I could go and it was getting harder and harder. So I just wasn't really going anywhere. And then getting a wheelchair, it's like, oh my God, I'm free. You know, like I can go places, I can do stuff. I can be out under my own power and it just feels so good. But then when you do it, <laughs> the world is looking at you totally different than when you went out last time, you know? Um, yeah. And it, it was, it's just such a bizarre experience and there's just, I don't know, there's so much, uh, there, there's a lot of people that really want to help, but don't know how, and don't, you don't necessarily need help <laughs> all the time and people like wanting to insert themselves or people like completely ignoring you, pretend you don't exist. Um, you know, it's, it's a really bizarre experience but yeah but let's get into a little bit i really want to hear more about your story so you mentioned a little bit about what you're going through but let's let's dive into this so nick what is your major pain so my major pain is my autoimmune i have sjogren's syndrome which mm. basically is just an autoimmune it mainly attacks the eyes um your mouth um it can affect the joints so there's days that i do have a lot of chronic pain um, which does make <clears throat> everything that I do in my life so much more difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, transferring into my chair, pushing my chair, all that kind of adds up. Plus, you know, I, I get fatigued really, really bad. And just, it's like, I want to do things, but I've got to spare some of my energy some days, you know, because <laughs> yeah. otherwise I'm going to exert it all. And it's going to be like, you know, 11 o'clock in, you know, the morning I'm like, Oh man, I'm I'm done for the day. Like this, this is just it for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I relate. <laughs> yeah, and so that that kind of changed because you've got friends and stuff, and they're still going at full pace, and it's hard for people sometimes that don't understand, you know, or haven't been through it, or don't know what it's like to understand, you know, that you've got to you've got to preserve, you've got to do self care. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the 
hardest thing for me to learn because I was one that I like to go, I like to do what I want. And, you know, I discovered that if I did push myself and go, you know, and try to do everything I wanted to do, then for one to two days, I was laid up. <laughs> I couldn't even hardly, you know, just get out of bed. It took everything I had. So you've kind of got to rebalance your life. Um, and then I also have a non-traumatic spinal cord injury. And with that, um, that one took me, you know, it all kind of came to be around the same time um, because they were originally kind of looking for stuff like MS, what's causing, you know, the weakness, the numbness, you know, um, what could all this be? And that's how we found out that I actually had an autoimmune disease on top of it all mm. was just through some blood work and stuff like that. I, you know, I had some antibodies that were coming back positive. Um, and then during this time, the amount of pain that I was in, I, I really can't you know, express how bad that was for me. I was waking up, you know, and I was just crying before I even fully woke up because my body was just in so much pain. And I, you know, there's this point in time where I thought, am I dying? Yeah. You know, they didn't know what was going on with me. And, you know, like the healthcare system, you know, it took so long for me to get in with specialists <laughs> to start ruling out things that for months, I laid there thinking, this is it. I'm, you know, I was 29 at the time. I'm like, I'm 29 years old and this is it for me. This is, you know, and there was this part of me that really at that time, I'm like, if this is how my life is going to be, if I'm going to wake up in pain like this, if I can't find a way to manage this, you know, and then you, I think you have a sense of denial too. Like this is temporary. I'm going to go back to normal. Things are going to be just like they were before. And, you know, the depression too, that sits in on that is yeah. just, and so I kind of went months without really having answers. It took, you know, six months for me to get in with neurology to even get images of kind of what was going on. Um, and it took me about four months just to get in with a rheumatologist. And um, then by that time, I needed to see a urologist because I wasn't able to control my, you know, bladder and um, I had to start doing intermittent cathing and stuff like that, but it just took so long that for those months that I had absolutely no idea what to call it, no idea what was going on. You know, people ask you, they're like, well, what's going on? What's wrong with you? What's, you know, and I had absolutely no answer for them other than I'm waiting for this, you know, I'm waiting for these tests. I'm waiting for insurance to approve this, you know, and then when you have mobility issues and you're having to travel and go places for these appointments. That's not really easy either, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Um, so it did take quite a while and I'm still in a waiting period. They've referred me on to a uh, Washington university spinal cord injury, um, neurologists and stuff, doctors there. And I'm still waiting to get an appointment to kind of get a, I guess, further look. Cause my neurologist, once they started me out with a nurse practitioner because that was who they could get me in with sooner. And once she kind of read over my case and looked at me, she's like, this is beyond my scope of practice. I'm mm. going to have to refer you on. And I'm like, I waited six months to Ugh. find out nothing that, you know, so then I finally got in with a neurologist and they're like, well, we're going to have to get tests done. And so it was, um, you know, another couple months. And by that point, I, you know, people at that point are like, so what's going on? You know, I'm like, I still don't have all the answers. So they finally had diagnosed me with having a spinal cord injury incomplete at the T9 level. Um, and so once he kind of determined that, he's like, now I'm going to refer you on to the spinal cord injury doctors at Washington University. 
and now it's a way to get into them still. Um, so it's just kind of like my whole life became doctor appointments, you know, it became this like big question, like what is going on? Why did this happen? Is this going to happen again? Could it, you know, affect me again later in life or what's tomorrow going to be like? And it really took a huge toll on, I think, not only my physical health, but my mental health as well. Not knowing, you know, not having a label to be like, this is where, you know, there was no way for me to do research. You know, there was no way for me to relate to other people because I'm like, I just have no idea. I totally feel what you're saying. So many things you just said, I relate to so much. That feeling of like waking up in the morning in so much pain that you're just like, I don't know what to do, you know? Um, not I, I'm still undiagnosed, so I still live with that. I have no idea what's going on. And, you know, for, for me, it goes like up and down a lot. And on the good days, I'm like, am I crazy? And on the bad days, it's like, wh- like why are no doctors helping me? Like, it's so obvious that something's wrong, you know? Um, and then this thing of like making appointments and waiting for months to see someone, waiting for months for one test. And then that test not yielding anything and finding out you have to wait months more. That happened to me just now. Like I'm going through that now. And I've, I've been through it many times and it's it's gotten way worse since COVID started because the hospital system is so strained. So all these appointments are now stretched out even further than they used to be. And you're sitting there like my entire life is is on the line here. You know, like my entire well-being, my livelihood, my mental health, my physical health, every single thing about my life is on the line here. And you're telling me that I have to wait another six months to even see someone that's going to take months more to take any action for anything? Like, we got to do something. You know, that feeling is is so infuriating. And I'm still, like, l- trying to find the patience to deal with it because we don't have a choice. Like, the choice is to to do nothing, you know, to, to right. like, you know, the choice is to often go down routes that aren't going to help. Um that might be faster and might promise fast answers, but there are no fast answers, you know, (laughs) people promising fast answers probably don't have much that's going to be that helpful. So, oh man, I really, I feel, I feel for you. Cause like I'm, I, a lot of what you're talking about, I experience as well. And I just, I know the intense frustration and the, the sense of just floating because you don't know what to do because you know, as as much as you try to do research yourself, like you're not a doctor, you can't run tests on yourself. And most of the research that I've done has led me down blind alleys that were not helpful um, and just annoyed my doctors, you know. <laughs> um, but I do, I have a bunch of questions based off of what you just told me. So, um, you said your autoimmune disease is called Sjogren's syndrome? Yes. So, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I've never heard of this disease before. So, I hadn't either. Um, and so when when i they did some labs and stuff on me um there i was showing positive for an autoimmune and so that's when i had got sent off to a rheumatologist and she was doing you know different labs and finally and i thought this was the answer i'm like ah amazing we finally found something that points to something um so Sjogren's is basically a autoimmune dis- disease it affects the eyes the mouth it causes like dryness in the eyes dryness of the mouth um and it kind of varies on severity it is not curable it is lifelong um they can put you on like immunosuppressors to try to slow down that progress try to manage you know symptoms it can affect the joints and it can affect internal organs um 
And so a lot of it is just managing the symptoms as they occur. Um, from what I've kind of been told, um, it can eventually lead to like blindness because of the eyes becoming dry and damaged. Um, there's some eye diseases that come along with it. And it's kind of like Sjogren's itself causes symptoms that tend to create even greater issues that can lead into, you know, um, bigger things. And I do a lot of research and there's days where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do so much research because <laughs> I see things and I'm like, that sounds terrible. Um, I did join some online support groups too. And it's so funny how people will be like, um, my rheumatologist told me that, yeah, my joint pain and stuff, it's from this. And someone's like, you know, I, I have the same joint pain, but my rheumatologist is saying that it's not related. She's like, mm. but everything I look up online, you know, is saying that, yeah, absolutely. So it's almost like with Sjogren's, um, it's a 50-50 mix up from like what doctors say versus like online. And, you know, there's there's different types too. Um, Sjogren's can also present with like lupus. Um, and I want to say that there's something else that it can present with too. Wow. Um, yeah, fascinating. And so it's like primary and secondary. And I believe that I've got primary. We're still, my rheumatologist is still kind of looking into it. So far, I'm testing negative for everything else. So it's looking like I do got the primary Sjogren's. Um, but wow. yeah. Yeah. And that that's a really good point that like different doctors will tell you different things. And a lot of autoimmune diseases are not super well researched yet. It's like we know that they exist and we can track these, you know, uh, antibodies in your blood and we can diagnose you with something. But then two different doctors might tell you two completely different things about the same disease. And as a kid, you know, I was brought up in this culture of doctors know everything. And when a doctor tells you something, it is true. So coming to terms with the fact that different doctors will tell you different things about the same thing is really difficult because it's like, wow, I don't know who to believe. So there's like this element of, um, for me, it's like I, I have to kind of experiment on myself based off of what my doctors tell me to do and see what works and what doesn't. And if something works, then I'll take that doctor's advice is correct and try to get to, back to see them again and, and you know, ignore the other one because it didn't pan out. Um, but yeah, that that's like an added complication in, in a complex medical situation that it was something I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> Yeah. And like when I, when they diagnosed me with Sjogren's, I'm like, so does that explain everything? And she's like, no, really all the symptoms you're telling me about with, you know, the, you know, numbness throughout your legs, not being able to walk. She's like, that is completely unrelated. And I was mm. like, cause at first when I had seen that and heard that, I was like, oh, okay, this, this could possibly be it. And then yeah. she was kind of like, no, this is complete. You know, so it was just kind of, discovered i don't know that i would even know that i had it at this point um if <laughs> wow. it wasn't for the non-traumatic spinal cord that occurred but they were just trying to find different answers and wow. since they were doing labs and stuff so it was just kind of sprung up on me there and i was like oh well and then it kind of made me think i'm like well how much stuff is wrong with me you know because at this <laughs> yeah. point like i said i was 29 years old i'm like you know i was perfectly healthy you know just a few months ago and now like what is going on uh -huh. And I think for the longest time, not having those answers, not knowing what to expect, not knowing a prognosis, not knowing, you know, will I rehabilitate from this or will it continue to progress? You know, where where does this go? Um, and I think even once you do get those answers, you never know, you know, right. 
they've given me just like a very small chance of recovery from the non-traumatic spinal cord injury. And like I said, I'm kind of stubborn. So um, I actually talked with my doctor who has been really great. She's the one that got me in with the specialist. She stayed with me now since the beginning of all this. She has just aided in getting me where I needed to be and pushing, you know, for the answers and really was a really great support for me. Um, you know, I've talked to her and she finally, we were like, you know, at this point in time, nothing's progressed any worse. You know, I did regain some movement and I'm like, mm. I don't want to stop here. I don't want to just be like, okay. So we actually, I got fitted for KAFOs, which are knee ankle foot orthotics. So that, um, I can actually, now I've got the ability to stand, um, wow. outside of my wheelchair. Um, I cannot get my feet to move. Um, I do have PT and OT that are going to be coming into my home um, and trying to help kind of work with me, see if I can't regain some more. Um, but just being able to stand up, you know, core strength is really something that's important as a wheelchair user. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really helps with building my core strength, trying to build some balance. Because at first, my balance was so bad. I was like, it was like standing on stilts almost, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, whoa, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of scary. Um, so now we're just kind of working on some balance. But after a year of being stuck in a chair, just being able to stand up, mm -hmm. you know, using the KFOs, you know, I was like, this is amazing. This feels amazing, you know? Yeah, um, so absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, your situation is so interesting because so you're only like two years into this journey. If you're 31 now. Um, so yeah, September 29th of last year, and I just turned 31 on December 4th. Wow. So, so you were having like all of this, uh, pain, um, and weakness, and then some like progressive numbness in your legs, getting harder and harder to use your legs. And that's, mm -hmm. so they were trying to figure out the cause of what was going on with your legs, discovered an unrelated autoimmune disorder. But then yeah. also diagnosed you with a um, non-traumatic spinal cord injury. Do you have any yeah. idea what the injury itself actually was? They are leaning towards like a form of transverse mellitus. Um, but that's why my neurologist is sending me over because I'm guessing, I'm not really sure how all this works. Um, and that's why it's trying to explain it, especially like, you know, in public people come up, oh, what happened, you know? And it's like, it's really complicated, um, <laughs> but it took me so long to finally get in with the neurologist and then get the testing done that it's like, they see that it's there, but what caused it exactly, they have absolutely no idea. They're wow. just kind of throwing things out there. Like, I think it could have been this, you know, I think it could, I've had one doctor be like, with the Sjogren's autoimmune disease, there's a possibility that it caused some inflammation there. And so there's just been all these guesses, but no, um, I guess, like documented proof. Wow. That and is so, frustrating. That is so that to is. know that a thing happened, but not to know why. It, it, transverse yeah. myelitis, is that a viral infection? So from what my understanding of it is, it can be caused by that, um, an inflammation that kind of develops around the spinal cord that kind of compresses and damages those nerves there. Okay. Wow. So that, I can't even imagine like finding something like that, but not knowing the cause. Um, but I mean, on the other hand, you know, 
having answers is incredible. Even if the answers are bad news, it's like you can work with work with bad news once you know what's going on you can start to take take steps and make changes and you know work on some sort of um you know therapy regimen and and yeah i mean like bodies are so adaptable you never know what can happen you know you never know if like like once you get on the right uh physical therapy or whatever it is that you're doing you never know if you could regain uh like you said you've regained a little bit of movement um so having that answer can help to provide some of those possibilities but I mean, what was the feeling like when you were told that you had this, uh, you know, spinal cord injury that you had no idea, you know, like that, I can't imagine that feeling. You know, as an EMT, you know, I was familiar with spinal cord injuries from car accidents or, you know, motorcycle wrecks or, you know, extreme falls, things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Never were we like just trained like, oh, this could just happen for a multitude of reasons too. So I was just kind of shocked. I think that there was a sense of denial. Like, I'm like, you know, you guys have taken this long for all this. You know, do you guys even like know exactly what you're trying to say? Like, I, it just wouldn't, my brain would not wrap around that idea. Yeah. Um, So then, of course, I went home and I threw myself into research. And once I started kind of researching, you know, what more of that was like, you know, um, because as an emergency medical technician, we're trained just basically on the scene. If you've got these symptoms, if, you know, and what to do to prevent further injury, and then we get you, you know, to the hospital. Um, But as far as like long-term, you know, care prognosis of it, you know, I really wasn't that informed. So I did go home and I did a lot of research. And the more that I researched, the more I was like, wow, this does like match, this matches. Holy crap, I have this, you know, and it was just like, okay, so it kind of started kicking in like this is, you know, but then I had that question. I'm like, why? Because they even asked me, they're like, did you have a fall or, Mm. you know, and I'm like, you know, when did I like if I had a fall, I, I, you know, I think I remember like not to my knowledge, like (laughs) this just kind of happened. And um, so it was just really crazy. But I think for the longest time I had denial, even having that answer, I was like, what if they're wrong? You know, what if it's something else? What if, you know, and I think there's always those what ifs Mm -hmm. when you've gone so long and, you know, I was kind of guessing that I'm like, whatever this is, it's temporary they're going to find a solution or it's just going to go away. And, you know, that just never did happen for me. So, yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've struggled with as well is this feeling of like, I was fine a couple of weeks ago. I want to go back to that. How do I get back to that? And then, you know, years later, it's like, I finally kind of let go of that because I've recognized that, you know, things go up and down and, like even with what's going on, I can still make improvement and have quality of life that I didn't think that I could have. And I've like had to reframe what that looks like and how I think about that. And that's been a really healthy process for me. Um, But you're so early in the process. Like it feels like you've come a really long way really quickly. Um, That's kind of astonishing. You know, it took me years to say anything even remotely like what you've been talking about with, you know, trying to, like find improvement and like live live the best version of your life now that you can like that's my that's my point of view now but i've been on this journey for a long time um how did you make that much process how did you get through that process so fast 
So I think for me, my kids helped me the most hmm. because I was, you know, it was hard not to at first be embarrassed about, you know, I was really nervous going into public and, you know, just even going to a friend's house because you don't realize how many obstacles, stairs, mm -hmm. things like that, and all these things that could go wrong. And I think emotionally and mentally, I just kind of shut down for a while. And I'm like, it's not even worth it. It's not, you know, but life with kids just keeps going on, you know, wow. and I didn't realize you had kids. Like, yeah. And they're like, you know, you, you need, you know, we miss you, you know, and it was like, here, here I was, I was their hero for so long. And, you know, I was viewing myself, I was looking at myself, like I'm nothing now. I can't do anything. I can barely take care of myself. I can't cook. I'm struggling with just every single aspect of life, you know, and somehow in their eyes, me being their hero never changed. And wow. they were always kind of like, no, you're, you know, my oldest, he's 12 now. He was like, no, come on, you're going, we're taking you, you're going for a walk today. We're getting you out. You're going for a walk. You don't have an option, you know, and he's just got this way about him. Me and him are like, he's like my mini me. Absolutely. <laughs> and just to a T and he's, he's as stubborn as I am sometimes. And I'll, I remember this one time me and him got out and my middle had went along who's 10 years old and we were just going to go for a walk. And I was in my wheelchair where I was rolling along and I was actually kind of enjoying it. You know, I was out with my kids, you know, it felt really good to be out. They were having fun, you know, and it was just that little bit of independence I felt. And then I met this hill and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to take forever to get up this hill. And I'm like, how could I conquer this without needing help? And I thought, oh, I know I got, you know, more strength pulling my wheelchair backwards and like pushing it up the hill. And so I went backwards. I'm like going up and I'm like, hey, this is going great. You know, I'm keeping a good pace. And all of a sudden there's like this crack that had shifted in the sidewalk because I was going backwards. I didn't see it mm. completely flipped my chair backwards. I'm on the side of Main <laughs> Street in my town cars are driving by and here I'm like, Oh my gosh, these people are driving by seeing this guy in a wheelchair flipped over. I'm like, I'm looking like a hot wreck over here. <laughs> and so I'm panicking and I'm like, Oh my gosh, boys, help me, help me. You know, I lock my wheels real quick. I'm trying to push up. And my oldest is just laughing hysterically. <laughs> and I'm like, don't don't laugh like come on just get me up someone's i'm like someone's gonna stop their car and they're gonna come over and help i'm so embarrassed just you know and he is just like tears are pouring down his face he is laughing i look over my middle is like trying to hold it back but he's kind of laughing and you know i kind of had to look at myself and i realized i'm kind of laughing too like i'm really panicked and really nervous because i'm like oh no you know we got me back up really quick though um it felt like forever in that moment you know but you know, I kind of learned, you just got to laugh at things sometimes. And if my kids were still able to view me as the person I was before, you know, what was my problem? Why couldn't I, you know? Wow. And I think that's what kind of give gave me that drive to push, you know, because I didn't want to miss out, you know, you only get so long with them at that age that they are, you know, with kids every day, they progress every day, they grow. And 
in the beginning, I was missing out so much because I couldn't even get out of my bed. And I wanted nothing more than to have that relationship with my kids again, to be able to do things. And, you know, it wasn't easy, um, but they never let me give up. They, 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 that wasn't an option for them. And they were like, nope, we're doing this. You're doing this. I'll help you do it. We are doing this. And so it was just a matter of once you actually do it, you may fail a few times, um, but eventually you get it and things become easier. And I think once you get over that initial fear that this could go wrong, you know, like I said, I, I used to like avoid trying to go out on my own because I'm like, what if I do this? What if, you know, and I, there I was, I flipped backwards on the side of the road with, you know, at that time, an 11 year old and a 10 year old. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, but I got through it, you know, and I can look back and laugh at it now. And so it's just, you kind of got it, you know, I call this life as, you know, my new now, mm. you know, it's not like it was before things aren't as easy as it was before. But being a parent never stops. Yeah. And my kids still needed me as much you know, now as they did before, and they still wanted me. And even though there were some things that I couldn't do, my kids really encouraged me to continue to make a fool out of myself, continue to get out there. And I I just started having fun with them doing different things. And, you know, they made it, they made it completely worth it to find a way to just kind of accept that this is how life is and not give up keep pushing for whatever you know like for example my kafos for most people you know i heard a lot of people's spinal cord injuries be like yeah i got them and they sit in my closet hmm. and for me do they do a whole lot for me right now no but the other day i was able to pull up on my counter reach into my cabinet and grab my own plate hmm. and that was something i couldn't do so yeah. to me that's progress yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm at is just whatever progress, even in the smallest, it's still progress. I love that attitude. Yeah. Jumping from where you're at to where you fantasize about being is not a straight line and it's not a fast process. And, you know, making any progress is something to be celebrated. Um, it's like, like when you're playing a video game, you don't go right from the beginning to the end of the level. You have all, like if it's a Mario game, you have all these obstacles along the way and you're going to die over and over <laughs> and you have to like learn how to navigate these different obstacles but before long you're running from the beginning to the end of the level and you have to have all that failure to get to the end and you have to practice to get to the end and the same is very much true of our bodies you know if you want your body to be able to do something um you have to work at it and very small increments is okay the whole idea of like pumping iron and like going to the gym that goes out the window sometimes with chronic illness and it, the, the difference between like not working out and doing that workout that you used to do is massive. So finding some, this is like what I'm applying to myself recently is like, what can I do? You know, can I do some stretching? Can I like hold my arms up in the air? Can I uh, lift super light weights? Like, what can I do? And my wheelchair was like huge for that because that got me out and about and got me moving out in the real world and getting some exercise that way. Um, but yeah, exercise doesn't look anything like what it used to, but I can still exercise and build strength and get better at things 
It's just on a completely different scale. And letting, learning to let go of judging myself for having to change my scale or be weak in some way has been really tough. But the more I let go of it, the stronger I get in new ways and the happier I become and the more I feel this sense of accomplishment, you know? Grabbing your own plate is huge. Like, that's a huge deal for someone, you know, who hasn't been able to do that in a long time. So, celebrating those things is so important and like, find, you know, it's really, really beautiful that you've found that strength through your relationship with your kids. And I know like my relationships in my life really keep me going, um, inspire me to be better and to not just, you know, hole up in my bed and do nothing and just play video games for for the rest of my life you know i'm i i I will play video games for the rest of my life but i want to do more than that so um tell me more about your other relationships in your life um it sounds like you went through a period of time where you really needed a lot of help who was there for you so my wife was my biggest my biggest supporter Mm -hmm. and i remember in the beginning you know i think with with you know, any kind of disability, really, um, especially if, you know, like for someone who wasn't born with this disability, that it, it comes at a later time where you know a different way. Um, you know, it's getting over that mentality of, you know, oh, you've got to mourn something, mm. you know, you've got to mourn what you, you once had, and now it's gone. Um, and my wife, you know, for the longest time, I, I always felt so bad because I'm like, I feel like a burden, you know, and I'm like, I, I can't, you know, I can't imagine what, she, you know, you're going through. I'm like, for me, this is just horrible, but you're watching someone you love. You're watching my struggles. You're seeing me cry. And, you know, she was there through it all. Um, and, you know, even now, like, I, I think in a way it kind of enhanced our relationship. Mm. Um, I know I hear a lot of times that spouses, you know, something happens and it's just too much for them or, you know, and I was always had that fear. I'm like, what if I'm too much? What if this is too much? Cause I'm like, for me, and I always told her this, I'm like, if I could walk away and all this go away and I not have to deal with it, I would gladly leave all this behind and go back to my life the way it was, you know, and her staying, you know, she always reassured me that I'm still that same person, you know, Um, my physical body might have changed, but I'm still that same person. I'm still the person she fell in love with, you know, I'm still the one that she wants to spend time with. And she's what gives me, you know, a lot of my independence um she was always there so if i did fall if i tried something and i failed you know she was there to help pick me back up but you know she she always encouraged me you know let's do it again you're so close you know and she was kind of that one that she was finally like you're getting out of the house today there's no ifs ands and buts you're coming and we would come to a spot and you know, she would always let me try first, but knowing that she was there. So if anything went wrong, she's got me, gave me that encouragement to go ahead and try. You know, I live in a very rural area. So um, there's a lot of inaccessible places. And my wife has always made sure that no matter how it is, we're going to find a way and we're going to do it. And we kind of became a team. And that kind of helped me a lot too, is having 
her there and knowing, you know, we were always a team before. We always accomplished things. We worked together so well. You know, there was never anything we couldn't accomplish together. And though things are different, that still remains true. We still find a way. And, you know, um, sometimes just knowing that she's there gave me the drive to be like, okay, let's try this, Wow, you know? And so she, she's been my biggest, my biggest motivation to not just give up, not to stay in that bed, you know, yeah. to continue being the person she fell in love with and not let, you know, this hold me back. There are still days that I struggle. There are still days that I think back to the time that things were easier I still have moments where I cry, um, you know, but she's still there. She's still mm. by my side. That's so beautiful. And we still get out and have fun. So. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what is life for if not for relationships and love? You know, like, like having love in your life is so important. And, you know, with your kids and with your wife, their love for you did not change because your body changed, you know, your love for yourself went through a little bit of a hiccup. It sounds like understandably. Yeah, so, and you're being surrounded by people that love you either way um, is so healing and so powerful. And that's just, Oh man, that's what it's all about. You know, like I, I think about this a lot. It's like I, a big part of my motivation to keep myself trying to stay on a path to get better is because I want to be able to be there for my girlfriend, Andy, who, you know, I, I want our relationship to have a future and it's, it really does keep me going. It's really powerful. So I'm just so glad that you have that in your life. That's amazing. So when, when along this journey, did you get your wheelchair? So this all started happening to me September um, 29th and I, they started me originally. I had just kind of went out and I bought a cane just to help with my balance, I mm -hmm. went to my doctor and she was like, you are leaning so hard on that cane. And I mean, I just could not hardly, they gave me forearm canes right after that. Um, and then the forearm canes just, it was taking every single thing I had in my body to get up. I couldn't even, I would need my wife to come and get me into a standing position. And then it would take every strength and the pain that I was in from having to do that, um, I finally talked to my doctor and I had got just a kind of transfer chair then in October, um, which could only be pushed by somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and my doctor got me ordered with my own wheelchair and I got with a great company, New Motion. Mm -hmm. um, and they actually got me a loaner chair to where I had a chair I could push myself. It was a, you know, rigid frame, ultra lightweight, just to kind of get me used to it while they custom made my chair. Yeah. And so that took a couple months. So it was April when I actually got my own chair, but it was the, I want to say January um, before I got the loaner chair. Yeah. And which, which uh, custom made chair did you get? I, I think we have something very similar. I've got a Kai Mobility Rogue. That's what I got. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's three of us now. Um, yeah, we talked to Nolan on the show who also has a, the the Rogue. Um, I love that chair. It's so great. So, I mean, I, for me, just like having a custom-built chair fit my body, um, just using using a wheelchair became so much easier instantly. And my 
ability to go and do things on my own became so much easier just in a, in a moment. Is that what happened for you? Yeah. Like I went from struggling to just get to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of points. I, I'm not a very big guy. I'm about five foot three and I, I was about 120 pounds. Um, and my wife was having to like pick me up and carry me and, you know, getting a wheelchair was like for the first time I could go from my living room to my kitchen and not need help. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is amazing. I could go from my living room to the bathroom and, you know, I had access to my house that I hadn't had access to. And I remember with my kids, um, once I got the wheelchair, I hadn't been able to get up and go wake them up for school in, you know, months. I had just been pretty much stuck in a bed. And I remember I got in my wheelchair and I rolled in there and I was like, hey, boys, <laughs> you know, and I was able to wake them up. And I did it in the most obnoxious, annoying way, like I always did, you know, and it was just like so amazing. And I, that's kind of where, you know, there were times where I would be like, I really hate being in the wheelchair, but my, this wheelchair is giving me my life back. Mm. And I think little by little, I started just reclaiming these things and the joy that it brought me to be able to do the things that I was doing before little by little, you know, I just strived. I'm like, I want to do this. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find a way. And YouTube was actually a really great resource for me. There are so many people that share their stories, share how we do this. This is how I sweep my floor. This is, you know, how I, you know, make my bed. This is in just these different ways. And I'm like, I'm going to try that, yeah. you know, um, and it made such a huge difference in my life when I was seeing other people in similar situations out there rocking it and, you know, living the best, you know, version of life that they possibly can. And I'm just like, man, what am I doing wrong here? You know, <laughs> I'm just staying in my house and, you know, as much as excitement as waking my kids up or just being able to see different rooms of my house for a change, you know, and not need the help to get there. And, you know, I was kind of like, I want more. I want, you know, and like now, you know, there's still things that I can't do, but I never say that I just can't do it. I say, I can't do it yet. Yeah. You know, I always want to find a way like driving. I haven't drove in a very long time, um, but that's, that's a goal of mine, you know, and I'm hoping to work with PT and OT and really find ways to gain more independence, you know, um, because at this point in time, I feel like in the beginning, I lost everything all at once. Yeah. And now little by little, you know, the only way I can go from here is up. Totally. And so just little things here and there, setting little goals, like driving, I think is one of my big goals. It was something I always loved to do. And I'm like, that's something I want to do again. So though I can't do it right now, I, I just can't do it yet. But, you know, eventually I'm getting there. Yeah, I love that attitude. You know, I, I get annoyed when people are like, yeah, just keep going. Anything is possible, you know, because but but for me, what what feels better is so much is possible that you've never considered. You know, there are things that are possible that you don't know exist and doing the time to find like do that research, see other people doing things on YouTube. That's like massively helpful. And I, I've done a little bit of that as well. Um, just like seeing the way that other people are living um, with uh you know, all across the, the 
ability spectrum, um, you know, it's not about being who you used to be. It's about being your happiest version of yourself. You know, it's about finding the best life you can with what you have. And that's, that was always true. We just didn't realize it before, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you, when you have like, when you, when you've never had a big loss, you don't recognize that, you know, you are doing the same thing before, you know, like trying to make the best version of your life, um, no matter what you're doing. So yeah, that's something that, having to deal with chronic illness or disability or any of that stuff kind of teaches us. And it's so powerful to share these stories, like hearing your story is so incredible because, you know, um, it's just this constant reminder that there is so much life to live and there's so much that's possible. And the things that really matter are love and relationships and happiness. And those things can be pursued no matter what. Well, Nick, this has been awesome. You did such a great job today. Uh, I've loved this conversation. I've loved hearing your story. And it sounds like you have a lot more of your story still unwritten. You know, you're still in the midst of these doctor's visits and trying to find definitive answers about what what caused this non-traumatic spinal cord injury, which is, I'm still like wrapping my brain around the fact that that's even possible. Um, but Yeah, it took me a while too, because, yeah. you know, like I said, as an EMT, I knew, you know, all you know, different types of ways that spinal cord injuries could uh, be acquired. And then it was like, how can you just, you know, and then there are, there are so many different things that can go wrong. And, you know, um, I just, it, it amazed me too. Yeah, totally. It's so hard to explain because, you know, being in a wheelchair, people do, you know, you'll go to Walmart, you're just trying to, you know, buy a few things, check out. And you have these people that are just genuinely curious, you know, what happened? What, what, what happened to you? Why are you in a wheelchair? And, you know, it is so hard to explain because a lot of people have never heard of a non-traumatic spinal cord injury. I've had nurses be like, uh, you know, kind of like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's a spinal cord injury, but it wasn't caused from trauma. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's <laughs> because it's not that it's not a traumatic thing that happened to you. You know, it, the, the word is a little misleading. It's that yeah. there was no injury. It's just, right. yeah, it's just a thing that happened. So, you're, you're uniquely um, qualified to speak to this. So, my last question for you is, what would you tell someone who just had a non-traumatic spinal cord injury, who's living in that moment of, like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, like, wh what? <laughs> um, like, that moment that you went through, that you made it through, what would you tell someone who's in the midst of that? Um, just diagnosed who's really struggling i would encourage them to not give up and encourage them that it does get better you know um dealing with it navigating it there is so much out there that is still possible you know this one thing is taken and you know it's taken so suddenly and your life changes so suddenly but it's not necessarily for the worse mm. you know you will get through this and you're going to find ways and it is going to change your life, but not necessarily for the worse. There are so many things that I am thankful for. You know, um, it took me a while, but I am thankful for this experience because it's opened my eyes to a world that I didn't see before. It's opened my eyes to amazing people that I would have never met had this not have happened. And, you know, it opened my heart up to you know, so many more people, because I never realized how much of a struggle, you know, things like this could be. And, you know, I've learned to be grateful for, 
the person that it made me today. That's amazing. That's an incredible message. That's a great way to wrap up this conversation. So remind us again, um, tell us again where to find Disab- Disability Fails on Facebook. Well, I guess that's it. Look up Disability yeah, Fails yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, uh, Disability Fails on Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, it is public. So anybody's able to join. We encourage not only people with disabilities, but if you've got a friend that's disabled or, you know, a sibling or your son, your daughter, or, you know, and it's it's not just one disability. It is all disabilities, you know, um, I want to know what challenges you have, what makes your life easier, what is just an absolute fail on accessibility, what, Mm. what can we do to improve this to make it better for not just one type of disability, but all disabilities. Yeah. Any other social media that you want to plug before we wrap up? Um, no, that's about it. That's it. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to go join Disability Fails on Facebook. And uh, for the rest of our listeners, I hope to see you there. And, you know, like Nick just said, it's not just for people who are disabled. It's for anyone who wants to support the community, any type of disability. So, um, yeah, let's all get together and share these stories. I think this is a fantastic idea. You know, one of the things that has struck me the most about doing this podcast is that, you know, I felt so alone in my health journey for almost all of it until I started this show. And it's just completely opened up my world. There's just so many people experiencing so many similar things. And hearing these stories just brings me so much joy, you know, just hearing other people overcoming things and living through things and and thriving, um, finding ways to be happy. And, you know, just like that feeling of going through this in isolation doesn't have to be that way, even though that's kind of the norm is we all feel so isolated. So I love anything like what you're doing where you're bringing people together and, you know, um, celebrating the good and the bad. I think that's fantastic. Yes. We also, just to put it out there too, um, kind of just with disability fails, um, one fail that I feel is a really big one is people having access to mobility equipment. Absolutely. Um, my wheelchair, you know, was several thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't think people realize how expensive these things are. And so I do have a lot of resources that if people do share, you know, hey, I'm having trouble getting this, I need this. Um, we do reach out, we do try to help and try to get, you know, people things that they need. Because um, the disability community, I feel like if we all can work together, we can all kind of help each other too. And we do have a lot of resources out there available to try to help, you know, everybody that we possibly can. So. Awesome. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, Nick, you did an amazing job today talking about, you know, disability fails and just your story, which is incredible. So I I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. 
Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, and Kelsey Matson, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, and Trish O'Brien. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.